Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast this is episode 227 and we're recording friday night may 14th 2021 and this show is sponsored by betonline.ag please go to betonline.ag and use code clns50 uh we got some playoff hockey to talk about we are locked and loaded for round one we're going to be playing the washington capitals which i'm super stoked about it we had a good season uh, but this particular episode we're going to do a bit of a roundtable. Some of my favorite people out in the Twitterverse and the podcast uh, uh, world are going to be joining us to do some discussions about Boston Bruins and our expectations. And some, we got some numbers and uh, we got two great people that are joining us. But before that, one of my favorite person is uh, Heather Ingerson, and she is back again Friday hey. night. Heather, what's up? I know. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm a little thrown off. Like I was saying, you know. Kind of feel weird. I'm not in charge of what's about to happen, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to have these gentlemen with us that you're going to be bringing in pretty soon. Um, it's great to talk to each other, but it's always fun to talk to other people. And I love these guys. I'm so glad to um, spend some time face to face and not just, you know, talking in Twitter and doing whatever. So, um, yeah. And uh, in case you're wondering, I poured a pretty heavy Jamie and Ginger over here, but I'm nice. I, I need to chill a little bit before I start drinking that. So I'm yeah, going to start I, with Diet Coke, but we're going to have fun tonight. Yeah. And how was your week? I just want to say hello. And how was your week? It was, it's good. I'm glad it's over and I'm glad that we're doing this now, uh, getting shots tomorrow. So I'm not sure how we're going to be feeling on Sunday. So we kind of moved the recording back a day, but it's perfect timing because playoff hockey is tomorrow. Um, and before we uh, get into the playoff talk, I do want to talk about show sponsor betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag has the fastest and easiest ways to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, the NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. 
BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. And we thank BetOnline.ag for their awesome sponsorship, and they've been amazing. They take my money every week, but you know what? I bet responsibly. I don't bet with a ton of stuff that I can't afford. And please, if you do bet, please do it responsibly. Don't, please, I was don't do anything about, crazy. I was thinking about maybe giving it a try. I don't know. I'm usually either really right or really wrong, and I don't know which way it'll go. So maybe well, the, the second free, round, I don't know. I if you want to get it. into horse racing, start tomorrow. Yeah, I still got time. Tomorrow's another day. All right. So um, a little, this is going to be a different episode. Like I said, we do have a round table. So it's a basically agenda free. We're just going to get together with some, some podcasters and some friends of ours and just talk about the Bruins and what's going on. So I'm going to uh, bring them in and we're not going to waste any more time because these guys are really good and I don't, I don't want to waste their time. So, and I said that already nervous wreck. Um, but first and foremost is from the dump and change hockey podcast, Mr. Downtown Boosie, Nick Boosie. What's up, my friend? How's it going? Yes, sir. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, happy, happy to be uh, happy to be here. Um, just excited to talk some playoff hockey with you guys and shoot the shit for a little bit and yeah, have man. some drinks. Yeah, you've had. Uh, I've been on your podcast, and and it's it's really cool to be to have you uh, aboard ours now. So nice little uh, podcast family we got going on here, and hope we can do some cross freaking uh, some more cross interviews and so on to to promote and. Blah blah blah. So glad to have you here. I was thinking once there's some drinks happening, there's probably going to be bad words coming out of both of our mouths because you get potty <laughs> mouths like me. And uh, yeah, so this is definitely a double explicit episode. Just letting anybody know. <laughs> oh, thank God this 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 will be edited, right? Maybe yeah, a little bit. Um, just be just be careful. I don't want to spend a yeah. ton of time editing. So. I just mean when we start getting worked up, both of us. Well, are okay. Anything well, above that, you're gonna have to yeah. text me first. I'm I'm gonna be a lot more calm this episode. I would imagine because I'm not dealing with jared J Ma this week so <laughs> i'm calm cool collected it's a beautiful friday night and we're yes, talking bruins hockey so i can't i can't be too upset right now and to round <laughs> off this round table what a segue that was to myself huh freaking apple me uh is my friend uh brett howard and he is a new member to the black and gold productions team on the podcast network maybe he does some writing who knows i mean, i'll probably talk him into it um but uh, he is uh, new to the uh, network, and he runs and hosts the um, the Beehive Pod, which is a great new program. Episode one has dropped, and it's on uh, Spotify, soon to be a bunch of other uh, listening platforms. But we're bringing in Brett Howard. Mr. Brett Howard, how's hey, it going, buddy? What's up, guys? How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Glad that you can join us for this roundtable discussion of uh, Boston Bruins hockey, but more particular, the 2021 Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Boston yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's get into it. Nice. Nice. All right. So um, let me take a, a hit of this. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Let's have some fun, Cheers. boys. Yeah, absolutely. It, up. Um, it is Friday night. So we're just gonna uh, just let it loose and just um, just no agenda, no nothing, just talk. 
And let's start off with me asking everyone, Heather will go first. We'll just do right, right around. We'll go Heather, we'll go Busa, and then we'll go Brett. My first question is a three-part question. Oh God! Why do you got to start with a three-part? It's very easy. Even you can, even you can figure out how that. Miss... <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so here's the first part: is how did you feel before the trade deadline? Oh, how did you feel after the trade deadline? And how do you feel about going into the playoffs against a team that grinds pretty hard and is going to make it um, pretty difficult? But I, I still believe that the Bruins can win in this series. Go ahead, Heather. Okay, well, actually, this is pretty easy for me because you already know the answer. Well, the night before the trade deadline, I went to bed like, fucking Bruins, fucking Don Sweeney fixes. I can't. I don't want to be mad at Don. I really have had a crush on Don Sweeney for like, what, 35 years? I don't know, like That's a long time. Gross. Okay, And I woke up. Because I didn't even finish the game. It was so bad. And it said Taylor Hall was a Bruin. And this is a dream that this girl has had since the draft. Because I wanted Hall over Sagan. So I'm feeling fucking fabulous. Because David Krejci's having fun. Taylor Hall. That line's put up like 50 points or something in the last month. And I am so happy that going against Washington, we actually have a couple lines that are popping off pretty consistently. Instead of just one line. And if they shut down. But I don't know. I, I hope we fix the bottom they have a lot of big forwards, so I hope that we figure it out on the bottom two lines how to kind of match them size and strength-wise because we can't do it on our defense even really, you know. But, um, yeah, that's it. I feel great. I'm like, I think we can beat Washington. We played well against them this year. It's not like years of old. People keep saying, yeah, they won this many. Yeah, but in the last 12 months, we've won a lot more against them, and that's all that counts now. I don't care if we lost to them in 2017 when they won the Cup this year there, but I think we can come out of the East, but it's going to be tough. All the teams are really, really close. All right. Heather, you rocked out two out of three out of the question, so let's go for three for three with Nick Busa. All right, so what was the third one again? I remember the first two, but... <laughs> how did you feel before the trade deadline? Yes. How did you feel after the trade deadline? And how do you feel going into these playoffs? So before the trade deadline, I didn't feel too... I mean, you saw how the team was playing. I didn't feel too positive heading into the trade deadline because you've seen, um, you've seen Sweeney just kind of sit on his hands and just not do anything and uh you've seen frustrating trade deadlines before like last season <clears throat> but like heather said i mean we we all woke up monday morning and we saw that taylor hall was a boston bruin and uh i did not think that was going to happen because you saw what paul mary and zajac went for and that was a first round pick and uh i thought for sure that if taylor hall was going to get traded someone's going to have to throw out a first round pick and we get to keep our first round pick we get Taylor Hall, and on top of that, we get Lazar, and we dump Bjork's contract. And, you know, Lazar and Bjork kind of, you know, trade each other out, uh, trade each other out. So that, 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 that was awesome. But after the trade deadline, obviously now I feel great. I mean, you see Taylor Hall, you see Krejci, you see that we have two lines now. We don't have to talk about the Bergeron line now. We have two lines now that could be true, like true big time threats. And, um, when was the last time we were able to say that? 2011 with Horton, Lucic, and Krejci. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it's been a long time in the making. Taylor Hall finally got his winger. Smith has done his job, uh, done the job just fine uh, all season long, no matter what line he has played on. And heading into the playoffs, I feel damn good, and I feel pretty good going in against the Caps 
because Braden Holpe is no longer a cap, and he was notorious <laughs> for being a Bruins killer. So um, they're going with Vanek, it sounds like. I mean, you got Kunetsov and uh, what's the uh, Sam- Samsonov. Samson. Samsonov. Yeah. yeah. They, I say. hear his – I want to say Samsonov. His but. name always screws me up. I was going to say, it depends like, if you're Jack Edwards or not, depending <laughs> yeah. on how it's pronounced. And what kind of night it is for Jack Edwards. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm feeling great going into the playoffs. The team's buzzing. They're clicking on all cylinders right now, and uh, I feel great going into the playoffs with the Bruins right now. Nice. Brett, go for it, buddy. Well, before the playoffs, I came on your podcast and we talked, or sorry, before the trade deadline, we talked a little bit about uh, what I thought going forward. And I had that little piece of information from that source I had in Buffalo. Who do you freaking drop the nugget? You guys, I, if you guys I, didn't hear this, it was amazing. I'm like, no, come on. No, yeah. no, no. I was blowing it off. And all of a sudden, I'm yeah. just like, fuck, he was right. Yeah. I, in the DMs. <laughs> I heard, I had a buddy who worked for Buffalo and he told me that. The trade was Hall for a second and Bjork. And I didn't know about Lazar at the time, but I didn't even want to break it or anything because I, I thought he was crazy, right? Because we all had the same look going into the uh, trade deadline. We're, you know, it didn't look very promising. Like, like you said in the past, like Boozy said, like uh, Sweeney, man, last year was not a good trade deadline. You know, his drafting hasn't been the best, but he really stepped up to the plate this time. He swung for the fences and, uh, I stayed up all night waiting for that trade to happen. I, I had to work at 5.30 in the morning, and I was sitting up in bed oh. at midnight waiting, just waiting, because I, I couldn't believe it once I knew, like, what was going down. But no, after not, the- no, because Brett was just like, dude, I just broke I broke news to five people in my friends list. <laughs> yeah, and those five exactly. people are going to trash on me if I, if, I, if I get this wrong, so I exactly. can't sleep right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after the trade line, deadline, we saw what happened. It was, like, first or second game, Taylor Hall just took over Krejci looks like uh 2011 Krejci all over again he looks like he's in playoff form already which is good for us and uh and then Swayman coming out of nowhere I know it wasn't a trade acquisition but Swayman uh just coming out showing what he's got helping us when we really needed it 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 really solidified things uh on our back end even though our defense were a little scarce at the time but uh, and yeah, going into playoffs, I'm I'm super excited. Like I'm gonna say Hall's quote today. He's he said, "I don't want to talk about extensions until we start seeing what happens with the Stanley Cup." Like this guy's dialed in. He's won two, um, what's it called? He's won two Ontario championships. He's won two Memorial Cups. This guy's a playoff hound. I I think he's gonna bring the best out of Smitty and Krejci. And I just hope our defense can pull it together because they've looked a little shaky the past couple games. But other than that, I'm I'm super excited going in. Healthy to grass too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me on this question, it was uh, you really didn't do much during the off season. You signed Smitty, which was a which was a solid move. It was a solid piece to work on, and you know you, you got some term with him to to build. I think it was a three year deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, but you know I, that that was for me that was just like okay, you addressed the right side, a, a small part of the right side for the next freaking couple of years. So the window is still open. I'm not calling championship with the, with this uh, off season signing. 
and what what they did last year and so on. And it's just it, just like Boosie said, it was basically just Don Sweeney sitting on his hands the past couple of years with with trade deadlines because we didn't know what we we're going to get. Um, if it, you know, most of the time it's just these minimal plug and plays, just kind of gritty people, but nothing that's like going to blow you away like this. This was the blow away freaking uh, trade. Um, so after, once you got to see how the chemistry was working against this team and how they, they, they just immediately bought in with the, the, the uh, addition of Hall and Lazar and, and even Riley. Riley made a, a very sneaky impact uh, very early in his, uh, in his Bruins career, shortly just coming here. So, I mean, three solid members come to the Boston Bruins right now. They had like uh, under 20 games to get ready, which is like a preseason for, for the postseason. And just to see Krejci. And this is one of the reasons why. I mean, we were going to have uh, Chris Blackie from the Big Bad Bruins podcast and uh, full press uh, Bruins um, writer on today. But he's actually not feeling good. So shout out, Chris. We hope you feel better, dude. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on soon to do this. But um, uh, yeah, David Krejci, is just, he seems like he's dialed in, finally has a winger that he can work with consistently. And, and that's what they're doing. You see in so many different things that he's trying um, offensively, like the, the the massive amount of toe drags and, and looks to, to haul on the left side are, are just amazing. He's not even looking to the right anymore. It's like basically nobody there. It's like, give me haul all day long. And he's uh, shooting ex- the puck. Yeah, and he's shooting <laughs> the puck, absolutely. But moving forward to the, uh, the postseason, I feel good. I mean, the Boston Bruins have have traditionally, I want to say a 10, a decade, let's just say a decade, the Boston Bruins have not played the uh, Washington Capitals very well. Plus or minus on that decade too, by the way. Um, It just seems like every time back in the day, it was just like they're playing Washington and they just get run over or they just don't have it at the end of the game. This year saw something different. It might've been the condensed schedule and so on, who knows, but uh, seeing this team over and over again, I mean, we went four and two against the team, this this club, uh, which obviously had uh, struggles in net and in other areas. But it was a pretty decent year series. For me, what it's going to come down to is how gritty this series is going to be, and who can and who can handle it. And and hopefully, what Bruce Cassidy said today in one of his in one of his press conferences, I think it was the the uh, post uh, practice, was that he believes that they're built and ready for this. Um, for this type of series. So um, I don't know where you guys want to go from here, but that's what I, I have. Say, they certainly are since the trade deadline, because that I think you mentioned Riley and no, is he like, you know, you know, he's not getting the Norris anytime soon, but like he, like you talked about in the off season, part of why some people are upset about not signing certain players was you didn't sign anybody else really besides Craig Smith, which we all agreed was the only thing that no one was eating each other's faces off about that. That's a solid signing. But David Krejci is going to – he just – he looks like he's gone back 10 years in his career. Like he doesn't – like I always say to you, right, he's not as magical as I think he is. He's only a human being. He can only do so much. And I think because he's had to compensate for so long, he hasn't shot as much boosty and stuff like that. And now he can just – like he's back to just being ha-ha-ha David Krejci and things are good and he's having fun. And that takes the pressure off of the top line too. So when they go dark, like this team's on fire, but – I do like, I think Lazar has been a good addition. He seems like a Bruin. You know what I mean? Um, I don't remember a while ago we had, but I think before last year's draft and, you know, it, it said that 
there's certain qualities that are just Bruins, right? So like maybe Taylor Hall has always been a Bruin and he's just been wandering around aimlessly for the last 11 years or whatever, trying to find a home, 10 years, trying to find a home. But that quality, I think he has that. So he's a good notice to, like you always say, that wakes the other people on the third and fourth lineup like, okay, well, here's a guy that can walk in. Chemistry seems good off the bat, but we're going to need it because not only just injuries potentially or whatever crazy shit that you know who may pull that – it's going to be a, a grind to get through this, but we're going to win in six. So let's do it tomorrow night, starting at 7 15 on NBC. CBC in Canada. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Brett's across the border. Good yeah, Canadian border. No, there you go. Plug it so everyone knows where to find yep. it in case they're confused. <laughs> they may get distracted by other playoff games. I don't know. Yeah. One thing you said about Riley, too, that I really agree about, he's a complete player. And that's something the Bruins uh, haven't had on the back end. I know we we obviously have McAvoy and Carlo, but from the left-handed shot point of view, Tori Krug, he was, he's a great player, but he's very offensively, right? Whereas Riley Smith, he can move the puck, but he's very he's very well um, – like in the corners in his own end, he's coming out with the puck majority of the time, which I really like about him. We haven't had that on the left side for a little while now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I'm well, the one thing I'm worried about um, – is mostly the left side on the back end uh, with matchups and stuff like that in our own zone. We've seen Riley, like uh, Brett said, he's a complete player. He he does a damn good job. He likes to jump up in the play, and he can make plays happen. Um, I'm worried about how Riley and Lazan and Grizzlick are basically going to get attacked and um, how what their forecheck's going to look like going in with those guys in the corner. Um, obviously, they're not all the biggest guys. Uh, Lazan's got some size to him, but um, Lazan, you've seen him be a little bit uh, of a liability at times in his own zone and even in the offensive zone. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Lazan and Miller, maybe Lazan and Clifton at times, but it looks like it's going to be Lazan and Miller to start off. Um, I like that pairing to start off, but they're a little bit slow, and that kind of worries me when you got you know a speedy team like that when you can have just – Carl Hagelin just freaking chip it off the boards and beat either of them wide and just like, you know, scrub scrub players like that. I mean, what what is he bottom six for the Capitals right now? Is you know he doesn't really produce, but he's he's a speedy guy. He can get in there. He can easily burn uh, Miller, Lazan, stuff like that. I'm excited to see Riley and Carlo because um, it, it is seeing Riley and Carlo does bring flashbacks of Krug and Carlo. Uh, you see the offensive upside with Riley. Um, that's exciting. He's jumped up in the play plenty of times, and he's made plays happen. He's been a little quiet the last few games uh, leading into the playoffs, but uh, I think those two are going to find chemistry. I think they're going to you know, move the puck just well, and um, I, I think those two are going to do well. Grizzly and McAvoy, I think they're going to be Grizzly and McAvoy. I'm just worried about guys like Tom Wilson and those bigger bodies just taking liberty with – the smaller players in the corner and stuff. I mean, you can see he's a skilled player, Wilson, but he gets a little bit hot-headed. The wires cross, and next thing you know, someone's elbowed in the face and down on the ice, and he's throwing Hathaway's his hands up like wondering. Yeah. And didn't Hathaway get a Bruin last, uh, two games ago? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because someone, Tom right? Wilson had to behave or something. Like, like it was – he had done something before the Rangers thing even happened, so thing – you know, he was kind of looking there. But yeah, no, he's always in it. He's like um, the way that he reminds me of like Gord or whoever like that, like 
on Tampa a couple of years ago, like in the playoffs yeah, last Yanni year. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. like Yanni you know Gord, what I mean. Yeah. Can beat you on offensively, but also is really, really will get you on the grind too to wear you down. Um, yeah, so just those plays. That's actually a question, boys. Who do you think players? Not saying that. I don't mean to say this, Snow and Getta. Like, Heather wants Tom Wilson canceled. I just mean you know he's going to be going after certain players. Like you said, you those players, you want to – you send them after certain players to grind them down for a reason. Who do you think – like, is it going to be Grizz? Do you think it? Or maybe Lazan only because he has less experience, really, in, like, a playoff situation than Grizz. Like, do you know what I mean? Who's a little more mature as a player. I'm just trying to think of who's really going to get hammered, especially in the first couple games in Washington. What do you guys think? Well, one thing I'm going to say, like with what Boozy said about the left side on defense, um, I'm not really scared of Washington's right side as much as I am their left side. So I feel like a little more comfortable with that. But Wilson's definitely going to be trying to go for Grizz. He's going to be going for Riley. I'm hoping he tries to go out Lazon because you know how that's going to end. Like Lazon's a psycho. So I'm not worried about that as much, but... Grizz, I'm definitely worried about. Um, he came cross ice to take out Carlo. So really, I'm I'm worried about everyone on the back end. But the way that Bruce Cassidy was talking about it in his presser today, like they're ready for him. They they know he's coming. They know he's in the lineup. They know what he does. He pretty much said, like, we got a different team than New York. You know, like we loaded up to protect ourselves a year and a half ago. And, or I guess a year, yeah, a year and a half ago now by getting Richie. We got Coyle, bigger guy in the middle. So I'm not as worried, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes at somebody like Hall either, right? Even on forward. So I don't, I don't know. The boys just got to keep their head on a swivel. Yeah. No, for sure. And, um, that's why I like the idea of Miller starting out in the lineup over Clifton because Miller's going to allow guys to play bigger and better and open up more space for them um, because, guys, I, I don't think Wilson will even think twice, but other guys on that team who are bigger bodies who tend to play a little bit chippy, they might think twice if Miller's going to be on the ice because I know there's no fighting in the playoffs, whatever, but someone's going to have to respond if you go at, especially after Hall or, you know, one of our, any of our players really, but especially Hall, the top two lines, if you try to take liberty with them and get, you know, a little too, a little too physical in the corners, you got Miller there who's going to allow guys like the top six to play bigger and better. And um, that's why I like going into the playoffs is I feel confident about this going into the playoffs because you got a guy like Miller who's healthy, knock on wood. Um, and hopefully we have him for this run because I like his game more than Clifton's. I mean, I like Cliffy hockey at times, but Miller's more of a sound game. And, uh, you know, he's he's more of a physical presence than Clifton, even though we've seen Clifton lay the body. And he I think he's he's up there on the team with it. So, uh, you know, he did his fair share this year. But I feel better with Miller in the lineup over Clifton. That's one thing I wanted to talk about was the physicality and and when the like the early parts of the uh, lineup being released, I mean you didn't have Trent Frederick in there who we all know is an, is a uh, is a presence on its own. That guy's a freaking he's a nutbag out there uh, when when he can. You know I know I know his game has been somewhat toned down a little bit. It wasn't like it was when his his first like four or five weeks in the league where it was just like oh my god this guy's awesome. 
but he's still a good player and so on. I still have a ton of faith in him, faith in him. But I didn't like the idea that him and Miller were potentially going to be out of the lineup. We found out later today Miller is actually a go for tomorrow, so that's mm-hmm. a little bit better. But I still believe that I mean and and I know that in the past I was against it because I'm just going I'm just trying to adjust to the league. I'm not saying I don't like fighting or anything like that, but I'm just if that's the way the league's going, I have to accustom to it because there's nothing I can do when somebody has a full board train and they're saying this is the way we're going, nobody can change it. So either get on board or or die bitching about it for the rest of your life, you know what I'm saying? But now I can actually see what's going on with the physicality in the playoffs. And if you don't have that, and I've been researching more and so on, watching more tape, and I'm like, oh, my God, the people I cannot stand that told me in the back are right. <laughs> so you need that grinding style in the playoffs, and I get it. And I just didn't want to see those two out of the lineup. So if you if you put Miller in and Frederick out, that's fine. But if you take Miller out, you got to put Frederick in or somebody like that because mm. – just for this series. I'm not saying the whole playoffs. Just for this particular series because you know what you have on the other side. Like Heather said, Gat, uh, Hathaway is, is no slouch when it comes to being a pest and doing some dirty shit along with freaking his buddy uh, Wilson. So, I mean, that's for me. It's just the – I want to see – I, I want to buy into what everybody else is seeing. And they said, you know, in 2013 you weren't – you were soft. In this freaking year you were soft. Against the Blues you were soft. Now I want to see what they're talking about and see if if one plus two equals three. They were more phys- uh The Bruins played more physical those last two games than they have in a while of just kind of consistently really can they control the pace. Like we know it got a little, you know, they played well. We did have a little slop. It was like play a good game and then lose to New Jersey. You know, that week that was kind of on and off. But I thought the last two games they looked, it was a preview for like, you got to play Washington like we talked about last week. Like it's the last – this is the warm-up to the actual series because you know you're playing them. And I think like Cassie or you said Cassie was saying like they're more aware of it and they have to go out there from game one though and play like that because they're going to be in Washington and Washington just like Pittsburgh and even the Bruins to a certain extent. Once it's the playoffs, they activate and know how to play playoff hockey. Remember like that. They're not like floundering around. So we have to from the get-go though – be physical so they don't know they can run us. Because if they smell blood, the Capitals all day long are going to beat the hell out of everybody. You know what I mean? They're just going to go out there. But totally agreed. You have to have at least a couple players in there that are willing to go if things do get out of control and you do have to enforce, quote, unquote, a situation. Um, I just think, but, yeah, from the get-go, they need to start checking and hitting, forecheck, backcheck, the thing. And I'm not saying that we always behave either, but – Hopefully it doesn't go crazy because I think we all agree fighting every now and then, whatever thing, but I'd rather see some hockey being played and more physicality than actual fighting and nonsense, that kind of blow off. True. Yeah. Anybody no, else? Really. Um, one, one thing I did have in my notes is, uh, well, I don't know if you, if you guys want to talk about the matchups just yet. And the advantage of home ice advantage is, uh, you know, how the Caps are going to play with their home ice advantage versus the Bruins. We've seen Cassidy be pretty smart about it, but the Bruins are pretty good on the um, on the road as well. I mean, they seem to hold their end just fine. But I, I did steal this stat from Connor Ryan. Is, uh, through seven games, Bergeron and Ovechkin have been on the ice together for over 27 minutes of five-on-five. Five. 
and Boston holds a 6 nothing edge in goals scored. And I think that's going to be huge going into the playoffs. And um, I, I'd imagine he's going to try uh, – the Caps are going to try to um, get Ovi out there when Bergeron's not out there because you, you see the way they've matched up together this season and whatnot. So I think matchups are going to be huge going into – and it, it's unfortunate that, that they have the home ice, but if we can steal one of these first two games, then home ice is gone and um, we can focus – we can, you know – turn our attention to just the other games and not and not really worry about the matchups um the home ice and matchups and worry about that the whole time but i think it's i i think the bruins will win that edge when it comes to matchups is what i'm saying i mean i the caps you know their defense is good and stuff like that but i think the bruins with those especially having two lines now that can be legitimate threats. I think the Bruins are going to be just fine when it comes to matchups. Brett, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say um, one thing I did hear Cassidy say pre playoffs when they're talking about home ice advantage, he said most of the teams other than the Islanders have a pretty even home and away record this year. And he doesn't feel like home ice advantage is going to be that much of uh, an advantage. And I kind of agree with him, to be honest, because the Bruins have played pretty even both ways. Like, we took 10 out of 16 points against them this year, which is good. The goals for and against, we were 26 goals for and 25 against, so it's pretty much a wash. I think we had that 8-1, like they spanked us that 8-1 game, so that kind of didn't really help us in our favor. But with our experience in goaltending, I'm, I don't – I. I don't know if home ice advantage is going to be as much of a factor just because Tuca, he looks so calm right now. He's, he's ready for the playoffs. He's healthy. Um, so yeah, like I, I'd have to agree. I'd, or sorry, I'd have to agree with Cassie. I don't know if there's going to be that much of a home ice advantage this year, at least in this first round where we've pretty much had a majority of the C series, a stranglehold on Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to hear from our uh, sponsor, Blue Chew, and uh, we'll be back after that. But we do want to uh, sometime later on talk about that goaltending um, and uh, our concerns uh, for or against on the ice because on one side, it's going to be heavily favored uh, and, and heavily biased when I say that. But, um, um, yeah, let's hear from Blue Chew, and we'll be right back. Yes, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is – Awesome if you want to boost your performance and your confidence where it counts. I understand that we all want to be the best we we can be, but sometimes when you maybe get a little one-on-one -on -one action, you got a little too much dangle, not enough top shelf, and that's why Blue Chew is awesome. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, and you can take them anytime, day or night, on an empty stomach, whenever the opportunity arises, no worries about that. Blue Chew is made in the USA and it's prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go to the doctor or have to wait in line. It's even cheaper than the pharmacy and they'll ship it to you in discreet packaging, no awkwardness, and you don't even have to leave the house. So you don't have to worry about it. It's like back in the day when you maybe might get some uh, magazines or something. They put it in the dark packaging. No one has to know. Your neighbors don't know. It's not like it comes in a big thing that says Blue Chew, but Blue Chew will help you out. Blue Chew is a fastest and the easiest way to enhance your performance in bed where it counts that's where you need your swagger so this is what you need to do listeners please if you or maybe even your partner you want to suggest them to do it 
go to bluechew.com. That's blue like the color, bluechew.com. And in the promo code, type in black and gold, all caps, and you will receive your order for free. You just pay $5 shipping and handling. You can't get a better deal than that. So go to bluechew.com in the promo code, black and gold, black and gold, all caps, and you will receive your order for free. Just $5 for shipping and handling. It's discreet. It will help you get the game winner in bed. Everyone will have a good selly. And thank you, Blue Chew. And thank you. And our customers, I'm telling you, check it. Their, be a customer. Go out there. Again, doctors are prescribing it. It's not weird. Don't worry about it. It's nothing to be awkward about. It's all about having great sex. So let's do it. Thank you, Blue Chew. It's always selly season with Blue Chew. Thank you, Blue Chew, as always, for putting up with the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. All right, boys, back to the hockey. Let's talk. Let's talk, old ending, Mark. Go there. All right. Um, clearly, we have an advantage. It, it doesn't matter what way you look at it. Uh, as Brett said before, the Blue Chew ad, um, you know, this Tuka's looking good so far. I mean, he hasn't been playing much, getting the rest that he needs, but in the time frame that he was uh, building up to the postseason, we, we saw some positive things. Um, so I feel good with that. I also feel good that if something happens to Tuka, we have a very, very uh, reliable Jeremy Swayman who's been playing unbelievable this year uh, and, and and so so happy for that kid. Um, you know, uh, being a draft pick and being around him since pretty much day one and and just following his progress is in, in such a short time has been a, a thrill to watch and see. So, uh, you know, I can't wait for the future. I'm lo really looking forward to him taking over. Um, but, you know, it's, it's um, I, I want to see Tukes be on a short leash too. I don't want Cassidy to be so pressured that, you know, that you're, you're putting, you're leaving Raskin for bad situations too long. And uh, if you see something that you're not liking, please address it sooner rather than later uh, because series can change just like that. So I feel good about the goaltending uh, on our side. Obviously it's biased, but uh, when you look at the Washington goaltending, it's, it's not, it's nothing compared to what we've seen in the past. Like somebody said with Braden Holpe. So yeah, Holpe was a Bruins killer. <laughs> it's been yeah. hard to watch him play against us the past eight or so years but yeah uh bruce cassidy said it cam neely said it sweeney said it swayman's earned the spot it's his spot the backup spot they're they're confident in him the boys i was watching behind the b the boys are confident in him they love him they think he's hilarious and i don't know i just think going forward it sucks to see halak take a back seat but with the group we have and the age that they're all becoming it, you have to go with your best options at this point. Like he said, uh, sorry, Cassidy said, some guys are going to be upset about not playing in the playoffs, but, you know, he wants to win. He's been close enough times, and these guys know how to win. They brought in guys like Taylor Hall who have won in the past and have success in playoffs. So I'm, I'm fully confident in the decision with our goalies, and especially with their inexperienced uh, playoff goalies going into this. For sure, because I, I mean, the Caps, I they don't even have, their goalies aren't even that experienced. I mean, you know, they they have some games under. I, does um, who's, Craig who's starting Anderson's game? the backup? Yeah, yeah. What a yeah. threat that is, Jesus! I know. And, and was uh, he seventy two? 
Yeah. <laughs> and being a Canadian, I've watched him get his, st- his spot stealing every time they go to the cup. So yeah. he's not somebody to be worried about at all. Especially Fantastic story, though. You know, yeah, uh, I, everything yeah. with his wife and everything. Oh, that yeah. was just a great story and so on. But And good on him for continuing his career, even though it's limited role. Like the like he's playing now as a backup, but he I had mean, a there's no career. Yeah, he's a big yeah. locker room guy too. I'm pretty yep. sure. Yeah. But there's they're nowhere near the the goaltending that it was in the past, and I just think that there's a clear advantage right there that the Bruins need to seriously address. And nothing says um, exposing the goaltender by just getting so many shots on as you possibly can. That whole team needs to be the Craig Smith and just get it and fire it. If you have availability in a lane, fire it. It doesn't matter if it's at the chest. Get somebody there for net front front presence. Second opportunities off a rebound. Just get it to the net. You know, and stay out of the box. Stay out of the box. Yeah. We also need guys to uh, pick up Smitty's lunch pail attitude going into this playoffs. Like you said, he just shoots the puck. He's there to work. You know, like that's what I love about the guy because. Before him, how many times have we been clawing our eyes out waiting for the Bruins to shoot the puck, right? Yeah, and that's why I'm excited about the fourth line. Uh, DeBrusque, Lazar, and Wags. Uh, that's a line that needs to fire the puck at will. I mean, it, you've seen DeBrusque has a good shot. I, I don't always agree with his, um, you know, when he decides to shoot the puck and stuff like that. And uh, you see how pretty often his shots get blocked, and that's – pretty frustrating but if he can find a shooting lane and get that puck on net and you got guys like lazar and wags just coming at the goalie making him as comfortable as possible making him work tiring him out then it could be a long series for the capitals because uh that's where the bottom six uh one of those two lines have to pop and not even on the score sheet they just have to do something i mean it looks like richie and coil are going to be on the wing and those are big bodies on the boards, and they got to play big, and they also got to fire pucks on net because we've seen what Corrali can do on the forecheck. He can wreak ha- havoc for the other team, but we do at the same time have to see pucks on net, and um, you've seen guys like Coyle be reluctant to shoot before, and uh, I just I just want a different mentality going into this series. Is uh, you don't know a whole, you know good, you know. A, a certain amount about this goalie heading in, but you don't know enough. You haven't playoffs. It's the different. It, it it's just a whole different season. Um, we don't know what, and the Caps don't even know what they're going to get out of their goaltending, and um, that's why I, I think for the bottom six, it's important for them to make the goalie their goalie as uncomfortable as possible, pucks on net, and just you know just drive the net especially i mean you've seen coiled be able to drive the net before and make scoring chances for him for himself so i like to see that out of coil and i like to see it out of the whole bottom six to be honest one thing i noticed with vanacek is once you start moving him side to side he has a hard time figuring out where the net is behind him like i think marshy's undressed him like three or four times this year there was that one goal in the uh penalty kill where he just the big toe drag through the fa- uh, the face-off circles and just threw it in backhand. It almost looked like Vanacek didn't even know where the net was at that point. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Basically, I'm just falling over. <laughs> That's just momentum, yeah. I would like to see our defense stand up a little more when we're in the offensive zone. 
I feel like we spend a lot of time. Now, it's one thing to get beat. Like you said, someone banks it off the board or something beats you back. But like just the idea of, okay, I guess I'm going to skate back. Like I, that's part of, I think, this toughness and standing up. Like, because when we get in the offensive zone and we can keep control of it, like it'll eventually happen just because they will keep firing it, pass it, fire, pass it till it finally happens. But if we only have it in there for like five seconds and then you turn it over, you know, you know, make an effort at least please at least to try and knock it down or keep it for it or not bring it all the way back if you're going to you know it's just a little clear out maybe get back in that is one thing that i would like to see a little more of that i need you to play all that goes along with the all 60 minutes right not 40 not the first 20 the last 20 like all 60 minutes because yeah. if they do that they can definitely beat this team like uh nick was saying you don't need to um worry about the matchups as much whether you're home or away you know however they line up and I am a little concerned. I do like how the third and fourth lines look like they're going to probably be how they're rolling out. But everyone on those lines, with the exception of probably maybe Nick Ritchie, have been so inconsistent this year. They're either like a ghost and you barely know they're out there. And I've said this before, like all of them could get benched at this point. So I hope that they figure it out. Cause if they do, they have plenty of talent. Like you said, to just keep firing the pucks in, at least make it hard, at least make it nine, you know, whatever. 45 seconds of just like, can't get my breath. You know, like you said, I don't know where my net is and it'll happen if they can do that. I just, I was just thinking that. Sorry. The, I just, I battle, need to a little more. Yeah. The battle needs to be there. Um, that's, that's one thing for me. Uh, I, it's not even about goaltending, and I'm not even sure. I mean, defense wins championships. I get that and so on. But for me, this particular series, if you own the neutral zone on and off the puck, I think that, you, that you're going to command this series. Whoever can do that will really own this uh, going through. I'm, I'm saying six. It's going to be tough, but still, Bruins in six. But um, on the puck, I want to see – I really want to see the defense get more involved. I want to see more giving goes. If you have the uh, gumption to get through that neutral zone, cross the line, somebody's ahead uh, or with you, dump it off, dump it in deep. Let's get some more action going. Like like you said, Brett, get the goaltender moving back uh, side to side more often because he doesn't know where he is. Take advantage of that. Stop moving the puck at, at a rapid rate and and by, when you're crossing that uh, blue line. Um, and the other thing is off the puck they're going to come at you hard. It's a very offensive type of uh, game. Laviolette plays that. He's done that in Carolina. He did it in Phil, uh, Philly. Uh, I, he even probably did it in the in the Providence Bruins. Just the way that his layers are coming at you with just an offensive punch. And you, and you, I don't even have to rattle off the names on that Washington roster for you guys to figure out who I'm talking about. If you control that neutral zone and don't allow them to come in minimal shots, you're going to own the series. But as soon as you let them go through and they figure out ways of exposure in a seven-game series and time to look at um, video in between games and, and make adjustments, and this is what the playoffs are about. It's all about adjustments and reading somebody and figuring out where they're lacking. You know, It's like a scab that you just want to go keep going after because you know you're going to get somewhere. Yeah, they Pretty gross analogy. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> They gotta stay disciplined too. That could be a make or break oh, in this series. Man, yeah. I don't know what has been going on lately. If you get but, if you get a penalty, make it liable. I mean, just, oh, I just, know. Yeah. just don't 
that's know, what McAvoy said in his presser. He was like, you know, penalties happen, but we want to keep the stupid ones out of the box right now. And that's like Lazan plays that old school style and I love it. But that free hand, he gets a lot of holding penalties with it. I, I love the way he plays. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it bites him in the ass. Faux show. Hmm? Yeah, I right. mean, granted the, um, oh, sorry, Mark. You know. No, it's no problem. Go ahead. Um, so the Bruins did lead the 2021 season in, um, minor penalties this year, yeah, 194 to, I think 191 with Tampa was right behind them. Um, the 191, I could be reading this wrong. Uh, but they did have a bunch and if, and it felt like that from the moment the puck dropped game one, it was just, and granted they, they have had a great PK all season long, but the Capitals have had a great power play all season long, and um, they had a great power play. I, I believe it was against the Bruins all season long. Um, yeah, I think did. I remember hearing something about that. Yeah, and I, I thought I heard a stat because what what did the Bruins? The Bruins won the series in goals for what was it? Twenty five to twenty six. Twenty six uh, to twenty five. Tw- yeah, yeah. And I remember hearing something, and I forget where I heard it. But a cert, a good percentage came from the power play. They did. Was it was it eleven or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was 11. a lot. Eleven of them, and I'm pretty sure four were in that eight-one game. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna say that eight-one game was a wash because you saw our back end and stuff. But yeah, I, still, it's. I mean, that, that's a lot, and you got to stay out of the box. And um, if the Bruins don't, if they're not disciplined, then. It, they have no one to blame but themselves, unless the refs suck. But that's a whole different yeah. story. Well, they have if, goal scores too, right? Lots of oh, goal yeah. scores on Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their offense comes in layers, definitely. I mean, Oshie's going to be motivated, but oh, I guess yeah. oh, I guess Oshie's um, availability is in question right now. Huh. I, I saw, heard about that. Yeah, I saw a quote, and I saw a quote, and it. He didn't obviously. He he beat around the bush with it, but he's what did he say? Like day by day, I, was, I forget. Yeah, yeah. He's like, my head's in a different place right now. I'm gonna take it day by day or something like that. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I, I didn't I even realize this, but I'm looking at an article on BostonBruins.com, the official website of the best team in the NHL, and uh, it's from Eric Russo talking about this postseason. If you look at the postseason history. I didn't know that the the last time that these two clubs played was in 2012 in the conference wow. final conference first round and Washington won 4 to 3. The the one previous to that 1998 conference first round Washington Jesus. won. 1990 yeah, the Prince of Wales conference Boston um shut them out for nothing. Holy crap. Yeah, because we play the Habs. At, I mean, the Habs. We play the Leafs every year. Why? And then the Lightning or Columbus. No matter right what after. the seating is, we yeah. line up to each other. Yeah. So this is this will at least be different. We don't have to worry about a first round Toronto series. I know. Them in the cup. <laughs> Man, it's good. it's it's going to be a tough first two rounds. Though. Holy shit! Just to get oh, to yeah. those semis. Oh my yeah. god, man. Yeah, because you're pretty much guaranteed. Um, to see Washington, you're already locked in. And yeah. if the Islanders go, then that might be the matchup for the Boston Bruins next. So, yeah. so are we all in agreement that this division beat themselves up the most out of all the other ones? 
Yeah. They're like, the most evenly matched. Yeah. <laughs> Just beat the crap. I mean, you like, saw for- at the beginning of the season the north the canadian division was just absolutely beating the shit out of each yeah. other but yeah that died down pretty quickly yeah. um, once covid yeah. came through canada that kind of slowed down a bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but Jeez. yeah it's it's i mean this division man they really wore themselves down it was Jeez. by and i'll stand by it was by far the toughest division in hockey this year yeah. uh i get it I, I forget what their division was called but Mass florida Rachel. Mass no, Mutual East Division. Flor- the Florida Central. One. Central oh, was it the Central? It was the Central. Central. Yeah, because oh, West yeah. was the um, Colorado but, Division. Okay, yeah. So Hurricanes, Panthers, Lightning, and who's that fourth team? Uh, Nashville. Ended up being Predator, Nashville. Yeah, the Predators. They caught fire. But, I mean, those top three teams, those were really the only three teams to worry about all season long. And I mean, Dallas was out of it before they even. Yeah. And they didn't have Sagan all season long and he came back for a game or two. So they were missing their best player from the get go. And uh, it's just that, I mean, I get it. The all they've racked up a lot of points this season. Their teams look good, but whoever comes out of that division, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's not Tampa. I don't want to see them, but I'm not like if we see the, if hurricanes come out on top, I'm not worried about them. It's just, it's not a team that scares me still. I love, I respect what Brenda Moore's done and I, and, but their goaltending, man, it's still in question. It's their goaltending doesn't scare me. I, the division, they've had an easy division all season long. And uh, for the first half of the season, Nashville's complete dog shit. So it was an automatic win for most teams. And, you know, obviously they, you know, got their shit together and they start putting up points, but, it's you know whoever comes out on top there maybe Tampa scares me a little bit because you could have Stamkos back by then um, nope, because it sounds like Kucherov's about to come back right yeah and Stamkos of, of course no they're both yeah, they're gonna be ready for game now. yeah yeah they'll both for be ready game yeah. one yeah the That's, NHL yeah. posted it no salary cap in the playoffs so Kucherov's coming back of course yeah Man, I kind of secretly hope Florida beats Tampa Bay just for Florida's <laughs> yes. own they're dark and yes. they're right, they are actually yeah. two, like Tampa's third, and they're, you know, whatever. They're still defending Stanley Cup champions. But I kind of, I never thought I'd say that. But you know what, Florida Panthers, you deserve and you need this yeah. win. Yeah. Because every stadium is, is open long. to their exact capacity that shows up anyways, 25% or whatever. At least that's what the garden is. And yeah. Tampa, Tampa could use a little knock down a few pegs, I think, after the last year they've had in sports. And Florida could use the win. So well, who are you guys taking with the Habs and the Leafs? I, I want the Leafs. Yeah. 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 I, want I the can't Leafs. cheer for the Habs. <laughs> I'm not cheering <laughs> yeah, for the Habs, either. but <laughs> I just think it would be funny if after all of this, Toronto still can't get out of the first round. It, it would. not that be I would, seven oh. games? Seven oh. games. <laughs> Gary Price shuts them out in the seventh game. They or have they to both... choke in game seven, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cue, cue the video every time of uh, oh when God. Bergeron scores the overtime oh. winning goal and the outside the outside scene when everybody's just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I watched that on repeat like three times yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Using on continual roll. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know TSN will find a, find an excuse for, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. for the Leafs if they lose or whatever. It's just... They've got all the weapons this year, so yeah, absolutely. No, no excuses. I mean, they they put yeah. together a pretty good team. They got some veteran leadership, and um, is Anderson going to be back for game one? 
they're gonna have one like the one A one B type style going yeah, into the playoffs. Yeah, because Jack Campbell sure. is pretty good. Yeah, he's. he's, he's I, I've too. always loved Jack Campbell, man. He's a good yeah. kid too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm speaking. Uh, before we take a uh, break in 10 minutes, I just wanted to ask this question real quick. Boosie, you were d- dropping the division word a lot, and it made me think of a question, and I thank you for that, by the way. Um, no problem. Yeah, it's amazing what you do <laughs> with words, man. It's just, it's unbelievable. Sensational. But no, the ladies but, um, say the same thing, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Is that on OnlyFans? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I have no subscriptions. Is there a black and gold ne- network OnlyFans? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> might have Do those now. If there's, yeah. advertising and there's money to be made, I might explore it. <laughs> but, but anyway, with the word division, I wanted to bring up real quick before we take our, our, our hour break. I can't believe it's been in almost an hour. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, by the way. Really appreciate it. The Thanks, question yeah. about division is moving forward – uh, next season, w- would you be for or against keeping these divisions? Against. Or, or go back to the way we were. We, we'd see Montreal. We'd see Toronto. We'd see Ottawa. Well, being the Canadian, I'll hop in for the North Division, even though I'm a Bruins fan, obviously. But uh, it all depends where the government's at going forward in Ontario, especially like we just extended our stay at home order two more weeks till July to June 2nd. Sorry. So if that can't, yeah, if that can't get figured out, uh, like, I don't know, they might want to do an only Canadian division again. I know they said that they, the NHL doesn't want to, but it might be uh, the States all play each other with the three divisions crossing over boundaries, but the Canadian division might still be the same. I, I'm not a hundred percent on wow. that, but just, just from what I live in Ontario and the government just extended that order. So I wouldn't be surprised come September, October, if they say, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I mean would it, hate... sorry, go oh. Heather. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, obviously, like health reasons why borders open or close, why obviously we might have to live through it. But I actually think it's very strange to not play Montreal and Toronto. And I think the other fan bases would agree, you know, that uh, I mean, if we don't play the senators again, it probably won't hurt my feelings. They can play Detroit or whatever. But oh, um, watch out for them. Yeah, I just <laughs> no, I I said at the end they they eventually they're gonna figure it out. <laughs> like oh, yeah. they, they drafted well the pieces and go yeah, they draft mm-hmm. they they dumped a lot and then drafted well again and they'll be all right. You know, they look they have hope, they have some good young talent, but I do think that even if they're not the same divisions we used to have before COVID, these divisions once the borders are open, how I mean you're not gonna have the Kraken and Vancouver play each other. Are you serious like that? How is that gonna happen? You know what I mean? So things yeah, like yeah. that. I even if it, we have to go another year just for the health and safety purposes, if Canada, I don't know what you guys, not you personally, but whatever's going on up there. And I can see sometimes the provinces, provinces are even clashing with each other of what the oh, thing yeah. is. And I'm sorry that you live in Ottawa. It seems, at least if you look at Twitter, as the most oppressive regime in the world is Ottawa yeah. as yeah. a province. But uh, yeah, but they have to realign them somehow. They're going to have to. Like the Kraken, like they're not going to play Vancouver, right? And Winnipeg's never going to play Minnesota again. And that, that's just weird to me, especially if I think for the original six franchises and their fans. 
Sorry, I don't hey, mean to go on a long-winded. No, Boosie, before you go real quick, one thing I'm going to say is TNT and ESPN are going to want to market Connor McDavid. It was very. Uh, it was one thing that they talked about when they took over the contract that they felt the superstars in Canada were not getting marketed to the states enough, especially Austin Amer- uh, Austin Matthews. Sorry, being American, but uh, Boosie, you can go now. Sorry. Yeah, no, that, that, no, it's all right. That, that's a good point. Um, especially with the new TV deal coming in place, I mean, you're gonna want Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews out there more often. Um, or, or I'm not out there more often on the TV, more often ESPN, TNT, wherever the hell they end up. Um, you're going to want to, I mean, I think we, we can all agree that the NHL doesn't do the best job marketing their, uh, marketing their game, but I think ESPN is going to take it to a whole other level. And I think that's why you need more McDavid and Matthews and stuff like that down, especially down in the States and, you know, not 10 o'clock games, these 7 PM starts, 8 PM starts, whatever. But I I definitely don't want to see the division stay the same. Um, The Canadian division was fun this year till like the last 10, 15 games. And it kind of just died out. And um, you know, the hatred kind of is just some teams were already done and, um, but obviously what Heather said, the Kraken in Vancouver, I mean, you want to see them be able to play each other and stuff like that and create that and start that rivalry. But yeah, you got to worry about everyone's safe safety and health, uh, first. So it's, you know, maybe halfway through the season, whatever, or a quarter of the season, who knows? I just hope I'll take any kind of hockey, any, any kind of 82 game season next year, I'll be happy with. I'm not going to be selfish about this, but I, you know, I'd like to see the divisions go back to what they were because I do like playing Montreal. I do like games against Toronto and stuff like that. And I like seeing them a good amount of times. And because, you know, Bruins do pretty damn good, do pretty damn well against them. So it's, um, I don't want to see Ovechkin for the rest of his career um playing against the Bruins numerous times and I don't want to I'm enough I've had enough of Crosby and Malkin because you know you never know with Malkin Malkin can friggin tomahawk anyone any second he'll snap he's Russian can't trust them so yeah (laughs) can't trust them sorry yeah (laughs) it's that Russian gas yeah um no, I'm a huge traditionalist, as everybody knows. I love the history of the game and, and you know, the original six and all that stuff. And, and yes, I want to see more Montreal because I love beating them when we have the opportunity to. And, and Toronto, who can't get out of the first round. And when we're there and, and impeding that, that forward progress for the Leafs, it's always great to see. Uh, and also the fan meltdown. But. That you got to think of it as a business too, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying I want this. So just let's let's clarify that. What I'm saying is the NHL is probably looking at this and saying, Jesus, did you see all this freaking madness that's going on and how we're doing with ratings and what we could do with a new network and so on and build from there? They might see this as a freaking marketing plur and and um and run with it. And I I wouldn't want to see it, but the reason why it's weird is if you go to an 82 game schedule, you're going to start mixing it up with other teams too. And outside of your division, you're not automatically going to be locked into playing the eight teams over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So you, you can go on the road and, and, and fumble one 
and and have the benefit of what everybody else is doing but it's not going to impact the season a regular season like it did with this condensed 56 gamer when if you went on a four game losing streak you could knock yourself out of the playoffs in some of these uh divisions other than the the uh, mass mutual the rangers yeah it's like you know it's so tight there's there's no give but that's what it was but I, I, what, I hope the league doesn't trick and move forward with something like this, but I can I can see them doing it because it's mm. it's just so attractive to see all these awesome teams playing each other. You do um, bring up a good point, though. There could be a real difference in how I feel about this being the division if we did not have to only play intra-divisional. I think that's part of – I don't like it. It reminds me of too much when we were teenagers where it's like I don't like the um, – I don't think the – on one level, I do think that your division should weigh a little more. I think that's just because I'm a football fan. I don't know. But I, if we went back to East and Western divisions, I think I could handle us staying in this division. I just, it just would be weird. Like, and maybe it's because I'm an East Coast person. But I do, I just wanted to ask Brett a weird question. If Toronto doesn't get out of the first round of that North, just as the Canadian sitting here, on a scale of one to infinity, how big will the meltdown be in the city of Toronto? Oh, if I, I live so I live closer to Toronto than Ottawa. Most of my friends are Toronto fans, so I've I've got the last laugh the past couple of years. But <laughs> it's it's definitely gonna be a meltdown. Like they're I'm not joking you. Between my friends, they're planning the parade. Like I'm not <laughs> even joking you. Because like the Raptors won two years ago, and it was mayhem in downtown yeah. Toronto. And they're just wait. They're like they're salivating at the mouth for it. And they they truly think they're gonna sweep Montreal. And I, I don't know if Montreal is gonna be a big test for them. But I wouldn't count Edmonton out of this, man. McDavid is. Yeah insane right now like um the most points in a single season is like 230 by gretzky and mcdavid this year in an 82 game season would have been on pace for like 170 something points so it's like he's that's insane in today's nhl and one thing i'm gonna piggyback off what mark said the nhl lost 3.6 billion just in canada this year from fans not attending that's a huge thing going forward that they're gonna look at so and I saw like um, the CDC and the NHL got together and talked about how as long as 80% of the team and traveling staff is vaccinated, they're going to start loosening up the restrictions a little bit. Like in, in Ontario, like I just said, we're still in a stay-at-home order. So it's like the, we're not even anywhere close to that. So right. the fans have to get back in the stands as well as I, I want to play – I like – I want to drive to Toronto or Ottawa and see Boston. I, I would love to go down to Boston, but it's not an easy two-hour drive like it is to Ottawa or Toronto, right? So, right, yeah. the fans, the fans need it, but I definitely want to see the divisions go back as well. It's only ten <laughs> hours. Let's yeah, it's it. not that bad. I, hey, I drove do down for the Cup Parade in 2011 and drove home the next night. So nice. let's get <laughs> let's get bng group tickets for next season and oh, if everyone gets oh, their shots man. we'll meet up next and season. have a little dinner and a little uh, that's a night i'm staying in boston so if there's a hotel right next door oh, I'm yeah. staying there. well there's not one right next door but there is one right if you we want to walk towards government center which who doesn't want to get drunk and wander around boston that's what you do you True bomb We'll hop True our way that. to the garden and hop our way back to the hotel. Yeah, crawl Take a nap, eat breakfast, and <laughs> bye, everyone. Pub, go home. The pub crawl. I love it. <laughs>
All right. But another thing that I really love is uh, is stuff, and it's Bruins-related stuff, and I love buying stuff for everybody. Like this kick-ass Derek Sanderson hand-signed jersey. And this is from my boy, Bruce Sullivan, at Boston Sports and Memorabilia. And th- we're giving this away today. Giving it away today, boys. So if you want to get involved, check it out at uh, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. Donate a dollar per episode. But um, I love it. Can't wait to give this one away. This is a tough one to freaking just send away, man. So, um, yeah, well, let's hear from Bruce Sullivan because he has fantastic stuff just like this. Uh, hand signed eight by tens. He's got Andy Moog, I believe, at his private signing right now. Uh, signing some stuff, and I'm going to get an Andy Moog jersey for a future giveaway. But uh, let's hear uh, 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 from Bruce and uh, what he's got to offer this week and in, in, in his his great deals. And um, we'll be back to talk some more uh, Boston Bruins hockey and and playoff stuff. And uh, wherever we go from there is a is a bit of a mystery from here. So uh, we'll hear from Bruce, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are very honored to have hosted Bruins legend Andy Moog at our May 14th private signing. Get your Andy Moog puck for $29, photo for $28, or JSA authenticated white or black jersey for just $99 delivered. Next up is the Chief, Johnny Busick, May 22nd. Get a Busick Bruins jersey for just 89 a 1970 All-Star jersey for just 129 Busick photo for 28 or puck for just 29 Score with our Bruins JSA authenticated autographed jerseys. Cheevers are our Riley, $79. Middleton, Sanderson, Grizzlick, or Coyle, 89 or Bobby Orr, GNR authenticated jersey for $329. Or grab a puck from Brad Park for $35. Phil Esposito for $55. Or Bobby Orr for just $149. Or grab the Ultimate Orr Special Edition XL Shadow Box Photo Display for $379. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! Hey, Bees fans, we're back. We just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan and his uh, unbelievable stuff that he has. All hand-signed, all fully authenticated, and he ships uh, within days, and, and it's really good priced. I mean, this this was like $100. It's, it's crazy how cheap this stuff is, but we buy it. And uh, we we give it away. We're giving away this this month. So this today actually. So anyway, let's get back to the Boston Bruins hockey talk. But um, my boy Brett's got something that he's oh, wants to bring up. I think it's something to do with Charlie Coyle, correct? Yeah, um, Charlie Coyle, sorry, is in for game one. That's what Bruce Cassidy said. Unless something 
happens out of the ordinary. They have him scheduled for game one. And I know, I don't know if we touched on this earlier, but Miller was out of practice today, but he will be in for game one as well. I uh, just want to hear your guys' thoughts on Coyle moving to the wing and uh, how he's played since then. Go ahead, Heather. Um, I prefer Charlie Coyle at center. That being said, this is the best I've seen him play on the right side and not feel like a little of that Charlie Coyle. I understand, especially Mark, uh, people, you know, rightfully skeptical when he first got here. Um, that being said, I feel way more comfortable and hopefully him and Corrali like can spark each other off. Cause we're going to need them to get through Washington. So that's just really, um, I'm, I'm not a Kevin Miller person, but again, I'm glad he's he is going to be in. But really, with Charlie Coyle in particular, he hasn't looked as uncomfortable in that position as he has in the past. And I don't know. Hopefully, they spark right and things start going good. That's just I don't know. I prefer him at center though. But who knows? It's going to be long series. He may end up at center yet. We don't know. Actually, Bruce Cassidy said that today. He said uh, that don't. Don't count on Coyle just playing the right wing if something happens, which is not uh, something he wants to do, but he's open to moving Coyle back because that's obviously his primary position. Yeah, I, I, I like Coyle for the temporary fix for that third line. <clears throat> Corrali has been playing better at center than Coyle has on that third line, <clears throat> and there's a little less responsibility for Coyle when he's playing the wing and he's a bigger body on the boards. Um, we saw the last few games that that, that line, especially Richie and Coyle in general, I mean, they've been getting the pucks in deep cycling pretty well. They've had good possession. Um, they've gotten a few points. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a spark that Corrali has needed because he's been pretty inconsistent at times and has disappeared at times on the ice this year. Uh, but you know, I, I'm okay with Coyle. Like, per, I obviously prefer him at center. Um, but for this series, at least to start off, I'm okay with him on the wing. I'm actually kind of excited to see what that third line can do against a team like the Capitals that play big and heavy at times. When we've seen Richie, he, I mean, <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I freaking ate my own shoe this year with Richie. I, I ate my words I'm hard. I'm still brining, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm in your club. I'm brine. I'm I got going club. on. I think just about everyone has. But yeah. uh, Richie really stuck it to us, and uh, I'm beyond thrilled that he did, and I'm so happy that he shut me up. But he's been able to do it all this year. He, he's been on the score sheet. He's produced. He's played big. He's played physical. Uh He's made his presence known, and I hope he can continue that going into the playoffs on this new third line because the majority of the season he did play with Krejci. Uh, obviously, he enjoyed that because it's, you know, top six minutes and, you know, a little bit more of a spotlight. But I've liked what he's done so far with Corrali and Coyle when they've all been together, and I feel pretty good about that line. I feel pretty good about Coyle on the wing going into this series. Um Coil going back to center, maybe we'll worry about it in a few games or next series or or so on. But and and I already said before that uh I'm thrilled that Miller's gonna at least be in and healthy to start this series because you need a tough bastard like him heading into this series. When you got a 
when you got those two paired up together, Lazan and Millerman, it's you know Wilson's not going to play as big, and that's what that's my biggest concern going into this series is how big is Wilson going to play? And you got guys like Lazan and Miller being paired up together, who obviously won't give produce much, but they will you know hopefully shut down the other team and you know rough them up a little bit. Yeah, uh, Coil for me. Um... In the past, it's weird that you, uh, Bruce Cassidy. I mean, he's such a, a, a like a utility knife, you know. Um, he, he could be put, he could play the center, he could play the right side. Even though I feel uncomfortable, Bruce sees something in his possession game that he he gravitates that to. But lately, this this has been weird for me to see because he's he just seems like he's more involved uh, and and comfortable for some unknown reason on the right side. His puck battles are better. His possession game along the boards has been tremendous. I mean, that's that's setting the tone for that line right there. And and accompanied by Corrali, who needed this, uh, in my opinion, I've been shitting on him. Heather, you know, I've been on him all season. But lately, yeah. he's turning it around. So, I mean, different types of chemistry can be made when you make shuffles like this. And, and things can happen out of nowhere. And I totally get it. But... For me, it's like ride the hot hand. If, if Coyle's good at the right side and Corrales getting it done at the center, ride it until it sucks. But you have the option to start flipping around like Bruce does. He makes changes on the fly really often, you know, which can drive fans crazy with with his combinations, but also be, look like a genius if, if it's all complementary and working together. Uh, two things I'll add on that. The uh, Krejci and Smith together. That was he just threw them together during a game, and they ended up working good. And Coyle actually came to Bruce Cassidy. Cassidy said in a presser, Coyle came to him and said, "If you need me to play the right side, I'll move over to the right side." So I'm wondering if it's something that Coyle's accepted himself, whereas in the past he didn't want to move off the center position, and he didn't really feel his bearings. But he even said in a presser after he scored that snipe, I think it was against Buffalo. Um, he was saying that, you know, he feels a lot more comfortable doing what Bruce Cassidy wants him to do, which is go in the corners, dig out the puck. He doesn't have to worry about the defensive liability because he knows Crowley don't get back if, if need be. But I just wanted to add that on, on there. No, 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 it's solid. Absolutely. I like the size of that third line. I, I really don't. That's scary. Well- and you know what? Yeah. And, and that's that's going to be a huge issue in this series, I believe, because um, your fourth, your third, and fourth line are probably going to eat the most minutes that are, are going to be matched up with your first, your first two uh, on the up on on the Washington side. So they're gonna they're gonna get peed up. I mean, there's a lot of hockey right there that's going to be played. So they hopefully they're going to be ready, but. If you can get those guys going too, and I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone on, on the bottom six has to score goals and, and, and you know get these primary assists and so on, but if you make these small impacts in the game that are knocking them off theirs, then you're doing your job right and you're starting to create more of an identity, like we saw when the Lazar came and so on. We started to see that I, I want to say kind of more low line esque type of narrative again, and the spark that everybody had, the fans of saying. Look, we we now have like three lines of offensive uh, of offensive threat and and a fourth line that'll grind your ass right down. So I want to see that this series. And if they bring that, man, they could easily just the way this team has played Washington this year, circumstances and so on, whatever, pandemic, blah blah blah. 
this is a totally different out- outlook for me. This is not what I'm used to. Listen, I was the guy that gave up tickets to go to games. Like I would get loge tickets offered to me. I'm like, who are they playing? They like Washington. I'm like, I'm good. Off them to somebody else because I every time I went, maybe I was bad luck or whatever, but they would lose. And then the ride home, my group were all pissy and they were freaking not happy. And it's not a good, pleasant ride home. So speaking of that, I wanted to ask you guys: the last game of the season, it was basically the the I like to call them the baby bees, which is popular in some circles. It was basically the baby bees versus Washington. So if how this team matched up against Washington on Tuesday or whatever is any indication how if they come out swinging tomorrow night, what's going to happen? I think we're all right. I think that made me happy, if anything, because I've been worried about our depth all year. I can't because, you know, and and anybody who listens to this podcast knows it's not that as contrary to popular belief, it's not that I don't trust young players. It's just the long and the short of it is someone with more experience usually is better at something and just having that experience. That's one thing that makes Jeremy Swayman look so shiny and awesome too, is because he's, you rarely see a goalie, especially a young goaltender. I mean, the kid's like what, 20, I mean, I don't know how old he is, 21, 22. He can't be that old because he just came out of UMaine, you know? You rarely see, especially a goaltender, just that comfortable in their own skin, just like rolling like it's nothing coming off them. But um, I think that game for me on Tuesday showed Thank God, I think we have depth again because we did enough on the Boston Bruins that now Providence doesn't look so taxing, you know, and they can do their thing and continue to develop people and winning their, uh, you know, I know there's no playoffs, but still they had a great season this year and showing more depth in our chart. And I was just, again, after no real signings besides Craig Smith, and I mean, I don't really think that Kevin Miller was a big signing. He was already on this team and you can debate all day long about whether he deserved the contract or not. But like, other than that, like, what did we do? It was like all year. It was like either these kids that are bumping up need to step up or we're in real trouble. And you saw that. And Sweeney did exactly what he needed to do. He got a winger for Krejci. He got another center to help out on the bottom six. And he got a defenseman to try and share up a little bit on the left side because of the big gap that was left there in the offseason. And thank freaking God. So how did you guys think about that game? How do you think that the, some of the kids that played? I mean, our top line was like DeBrusque, Wagner, and I don't know. Yeah. Who cool. was it? Let's our top line that night. I thought it was <laughs> I good. Remember. I mean, to be to, – um, what I got out of it was – if any of this depth has to be called on as, as the black aces, boy, do you feel comfortable with anybody that could fit in just, you know, if they, if there was a lot of good things and, and, and that's what happens when um, you sit a lot of your players that you're going to heavily rely on in the playoffs and you get them the adequate rest that they need, because it's going to be a series that you're going to grind and so on. So play these kids, but also give them a taste. You know, we might see Cameron Hughes back. He's he, he's an RFA. He's at the end of his uh, his entry level deal out of Wisconsin. Um, he played a solid role down in Providence. I thought he had a great game. You know, there's a lot of good. Jack Ashan, a smaller defenseman. I thought he played decent. He's been playing really well uh, in, his, in his rookie season with Providence, and and so many great freaking things that can. Uh, and but every time we talk about uh, prospect rankings and athletic articles from Lecision and all these other other folks, they always have it at, at, at the Bruins at like mid twenties to the to the high thirties or low thirties, and that might be right. We're not we're not 
we're not. We Jack Stadnicker is our is our top prospect right now, and I know that doesn't blow a ton of people away across the league. But what it does is it brings in a lot of complementary players, your middle depth that you need and you could trust, and so on. So I believe in these kids, and if they if they need to step in, like an Oscar Steen, if Sean Corrali happens to go out, boom, I would put Steen right in his spot every day, any day, and uh, so. It's a lot, it's good to freaking see. It's good to see the type of game that they allowed because the fans can see what's going on down in Providence. Those cheap bastards that don't want to pay the seven dollars uh, AHL TV. Shout out to them. Uh, but you know, don't complain about the prospects in the pool if you don't uh, want to invest in uh, and check out the uh, the product. So, just saying. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I I enjoyed that game. I liked seeing the prospects and I liked seeing them hold their own and do you know, what they did that night. and But I didn't take too much away from it. I mean, yeah, they were playing against this, you know, is basically varsity versus JV, and they held their own. Swayman and the whole team, they did a damn good job holding their own. But at the same time, uh, it, at times it looked like the Capitals were just going through the motions to keep the leg loose and stay up to game speed because <laughs> if they didn't start their varsity team, their starters, then by the time – game one of the playoffs, it, it would have been a week since they last played a game. So it made sense for them to start most of their starters and stuff. Maybe not so much like Ovechkin, who's nursing the groin injury and players like that, and Wilson, who um, I think he had a knee-to-knee collision like a game or two before. Uh, maybe that didn't make the most sense. But one thing, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that any Bruins player should have you know, targeted another player, but – it would have been nice to see these younger guys rough up some of their starters a little bit. I mean, get a, you, you saw Frederick getting Wilson's face a little bit and stuff like that, but it would have been nice to see them, you know, just make them a little bit uncomfortable, rough them up a little bit so they're a little bit banged up, maybe some you, bad bruises. Going oh, so you got nothing out of Oscar Steen taking out Zdeno uh, uh, Shara. It was fun to watch. I did not – wait, what, what period did you that happen? toe-picked. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. all on Steen. Steen was yeah. there and took, uh, you know took the shot and so on. But Chara basically toe picked and lost his balance. But uh, it looked like a little Oscar Steen freaking right on, chucked <laughs> him from behind. <laughs> or Chara giving Trent Frederick the dad talk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. Eh? <laughs> you can see Trent Frederick's <laughs> smile go from like just yeah. just disappear quickly. Like, oh, okay, Chara's talking to me. Like, yeah, shut <laughs> up. But um. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see those young players in because I, I didn't watch any AHL. You know, I saw highlights or whatever, but I didn't watch any Providence Bruins games this year. Um, you know, I saw little clips here and there, but I it, it was nice to see them play, and it was nice to see how well Swayman did with what was in front of him because you got, like, like we said, varsity versus JV, and they held their own, and they did a damn good job. Even if most or some of the players on the Capitals were just going through the motions, they were still out there playing. They're still, they're still, you know, veterans, and and they've been. I mean, Ovechkin. Uh, oh, did Oshi play that game? I think Oshi no. did, right? No, oh, he didn't. No, no okay, Carlson. So no Oshi. Backstrom played. Um, yeah. No, obviously, because. Kuznetsov, but you had Wilson, you had Backstrom, you had Ovi, you had that top line buzzing. And even if they were, even if guys that skilled were just going through the motion, it's it's impressive what they were able to do, keep them off the score sheet and stuff. I 
Real quick, before anybody jumps in, I just want to touch on this. What you said uh, earlier, Vusi, um, was the the you you're putting a, a like an, a, basically an NHL squad against a minor pro team, and the way Jeremy Swayman played. Um, I want to say that I'm not overly shocked the way he played in um, with the guys in front of him, because this is the type of stuff that he's been preparing for at the University of Maine uh, for the past couple seasons. Maine is not a huge like recruiting, like I need to go to Maine type of place that's going to go into the Frozen Fours or national tournaments on a yearly basis. Maine hasn't had that consistency in a while. And it's unfortunate because it's a great program and a great place to play. But um, he's had the benefiting factor of seeing a lot of pucks because of that non-recruitment. So I think that he was pretty much preparing himself for that moment any time at, 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 at um, with the black bears because of how much he could see and how much he had to like calmly put the game on his shoulders, basically to, to keep, you know, the score down to, um, you know, basically a tie. So um, yeah, I, I had complete uh, confidence in, in what he could do and so on. I just didn't know what was going to be expected from the guys out front and they held their own. I mean, I was really impressed with, with how they played against veterans and, and, and uh, and so on, and and the grind that they 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 provided, they gave the coaches in that game uh, some really good evaluations of the team's future, and and I think a game like that is a great evaluation tool because you got RFA's coming up that are, you know, arbitration rights and so on, and and you still have to like negotiate through the off season, you know, you do have some salary cap to spend, but you know, still have to put another team together if you don't do it this year. How awesome was it watching Nick Ritchie with an A on his jersey, though? Yeah. That was all time for me. I love that. <laughs> you know, okay. Heather's like, I'm checking out. Uh, I'm, I'm his smile in warm-ups? Oh, man. <laughs> I love the hair said, through the helmet. Oh That's my, my favorite part. <laughs> that being said, the um, slap shot sweethearts girls had posted like the picture of him with the seven player award and like you know captioned i'm like you know look at this thing i proved you wrong or whatever like i said <laughs> yeah. i will not apologize because i still hold because he takes dumb penalties and so you get yeah. nick richie playing right nick richie i'm so glad to have you on the third line because again contrary to poppy belief i don't ever root against players on my own team but i don't have to like them all just like right. yes glad to have miller tough on the back end not necessarily who I want on my right defense if I had a dream world, but glad to have you there too. Like you said, it, he is a big dude. He's like, a, we always are, you know, there are defensemen and then there are offensive defensemen. And some people can be both, but not a lot of players have yet become that breed. We'll see them more in right. the next few drafts coming out. But uh, yeah. yeah, but I just th thought that was funny because like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but those kids look good. But I do Brett, feel uncomfortable Brett with the A. I mean, David Shit, I on a weekly basis, Brett, we get the freaking whole uh, like we're, we're against Nick Ritchie and so on. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Hey, on my first podcast, my co-host, uh, my roommate Alex, she was saying how she doesn't like Chris Wagner. I was like, okay, oh. that came out of nowhere, but all right. <laughs> I love Chris but, Wagner. No, I know, me I like too. The mayor. Yeah. But Richie has been way better defensively. He's not a lot. Uh, he hasn't been as big of a liability as he was last year in his own zone, which is one thing that uh, I've, I've been happy to see because, like, you know, we know he has a little bit of a scoring touch. He can sit in front of the net, but it was really hard watching him in his own zone last year. So oh, yeah. that's one thing I will agree on. <laughs>
Yeah, one thing I noticed is he's actually moving his feet this year. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the coaches talked to him about it, but, like, I've talked about it just with, like, casual fans. Like, my brother himself was just, like, he'll casually watch a Bruins game. He loves the Bruins, but he he's not – he doesn't dial in too much during the regular season. But uh, one thing we both always said to each other was just Nick, especially last season, and, part, and, and some of – the beginning of this season was that Nick Ritchie will just kind of glide around and he won't really move his feet, especially in the neutral zone or in his own zone. And we've seen him just be a little bit more active and alert this year. And that's been encouraging. And, and he's also produced. So it's, you know, you've gone and that's why he was well-deserved of the seventh player award. I mean, <laughs> every, I mean, I'm sure it hurt a lot of Bruins fans voting for him for seventh player award. I mean, this time last year, I mean, I we all we all hated Nick Ritchie, I think, and oh, yeah. we wanted I to voted take that for, trade I voted back. For him for the seventh I player still award. hate him, but I yes. voted for him for seventh player because again, by definition, <laughs> he is the dude that is the seventh yeah. player on this team. He's the most yeah. improved right, since last year. And I'm not. He, then I'm. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. No, I was just no. gonna say the writing was on the wall for him this summer. He had yeah. to buy in, or he wasn't gonna play. And I'm not against the ladies and the fans out there that have the fan vote, but I, I picked Nick Ritchie the um, for effort to win the seventh player award. I picked that handsome son of a bitch, Craig Smith, to be the popular oh, man. Vote. Rocket, yes, Look, exactly. He's no Patrick Sharp. <laughs> but he is a handsome dude. I'm just saying. Right. No. Patrick That's Patrick funny. My co-host said he's... the exact same thing. She's like, that guy kind of looks like Craig Smith, but he's way better looking. I was like, whoa. And he has a full tooth. Like yeah. everyone yeah. knows that Henrik Lundqvist, Quist, oh, and Lundqvist. That was weird. Lundqvist, <laughs> and uh, I'm halfway through that. Heavily. Sorry. <laughs> um. It, yeah, but no. As uh, handsome hockey players go, Craig Smith is a fucking like he's beautiful. He's oh, nice yeah. to look at. He needs no knife on me, Jesus. Christ. But Patrick yeah. Sharp is Lunch like a pal. supermodel. I'm like I'm like Jesus Christ. How are you that pretty after a career in hockey? Like you really, <laughs> even if you've had dental work, like you, what are you? Next step, supermodel. Just kidding. <laughs> nice. But um, one thing I did want to bring up that I just wrote down. It just uh, came to my head, but is Pasternak. We obviously he's battled injuries the last few playoffs and stuff like that. But uh Pasternak, how is he going to look this year in the playoffs? We've seen teams kind of take liberty with him and attack him and make him uncomfortable. Um Uncle Leo. Jesus. Who? Uncle Leo, you didn't see that? Oh, they played oh, the Islanders yeah, on yeah, Monday yeah. night. That douchebag, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, yeah, he, sco- it, it, he just scored his first goal on like their la- second last game. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Jesus, so. and he was playing on the first line that night, too, yeah, making four point five million. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was put on waivers a few times this season, but yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he figured if you can't get on the score sheet, you might as well try to injure the best player. But yeah, uh, how is he going to respond this year in the playoffs? He's starting to look a little bit more healthier. It looks like his hip was maybe starting to bother him a little bit at some point in the season. Obviously, he came back buzzing, and he started off hot. But you didn't – at some points in the season, you just didn't see Pashnak look like Pashnak, and mostly because we didn't have that second line. And they just had to worry about the first line, and then they would let the bottom nine – uh, do just go through the motions, basically. Other teams, and you saw Pashnok's getting a little bit more comfortable. Looks like a little bit more healthy. Uh, that's one thing I'm looking at 
going into the playoffs, especially a team like this, is how how is he gonna? Because you got Anthony Mantha on the other team. Who he's what was he six four six five? Yeah, he's, he's a big boy. guy. He, he's not a physical guy by any means, like um, like Wilson is, but he's a big boy, and they're going to be matched up quite a bit together. And um, well, I know possibly does Mantha play the left side? I believe he plays right. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's why. That's uh, why oh, yeah. they Old, traded for playing yeah. left. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, but uh, even so, those two, those are two big wingers, heavy bodies. You see, Ovechkin likes to get physical and stuff. Uh, maybe not so much this first round if he's truly nur- nursing a groin injury. But how's Pasta not going to respond this playoffs series, this playoffs in general? Because we've seen him go silent at times, and we don't know if it was because of injuries or whatnot. But obviously, I think last year was because of an injury, I believe. Um, but and you saw. In the Stanley Cup Finals two years ago, that he was, I think he he something was wrong with his wrist. I I think his thumb. I think his thumb. Yeah, yeah that's right. The thumb. Yeah. He had surgery. On. Surgery. So he fell drunk. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm saying a little too much. <laughs> Team party. That's foreshadowing me three hours from now. Yes. Yeah. I'll be there. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see how Poshnok's going to respond this postseason. He, you know. He, he put up some points towards the end of the season, but I want to see Pasternak get hot. I want to see that first line get hot. But I mostly – I'm not concerned at all with Marshy and Bergey, but I do want to see how Pasternak's going to play this postseason, especially this first round. Well, one thing, uh, like when Pasternak was on Spit and Chicklets, he was talking about how with the hip surgery, he didn't get to do a full – his full training camp this year because they asked him, like, Oh, what happened the year before? The fact that, you know, you put up so many goals. What did you change? And he was saying, I haven't changed my training since this year when I had the surgery and I didn't get to have the training I wanted to have. So that made me feel better about the future of Pasternak and knowing that he still wants to push and be that better guy. And maybe this offseason and the weird year we've had um, has been something that's held him back a bit. But I've noticed it as well, too. Like, I, I miss watching him score, man. It's so infectious, his smile. Like like they said like, at the All-Star game last year, he's one of the most marketable players in the NHL. Like Lake Tahoe, he comes out with the the Randy shades on, like looking yeah. good. It, he, he's got his mojo back. I've noticed him and Kreacher joking around a little more in the pregame videos and stuff uh, he when he was copycatting them. Yeah, yeah, he's copycatting he them. He's got a new one. <laughs> yeah, so that makes me feel better because it looked like he wasn't having fun playing hockey. And Jake DeBras said the same thing a couple days ago. Um, it's not fun, you know, when you're struggling. And it sucks for these young guys in this year who pass an arc DeBras, those types of guys, they are they're boys' boys, right? They're locker room guys. They like going and hanging out with the guys, and that's something they can't do this year. Uh, Bergeron touched on it a little bit at his end of the season presser saying at least this year feels a little more normal than last year. And uh, I don't know. I just hope we see the pass knack from like the Toronto series is and like the Columbus series is the guys who's just filling the puck in the back of the net. What are you thinking, Heather? Uh, yeah, I think that what I've liked about David Pasternak is a lot of times if he's not scoring goals, he kind of goes uh, invisible and you have a hard time seeing him, but He's been doing a lot of things, and maybe it's just age, you know what I mean? Because now, you know, he's 24, he's starting to hit a sweet spot. But he's been doing a lot of those things that we wish he would have done besides be a goal scorer pretty consistently. And even when he hasn't been scoring goals lately, 
he's got a lot of assists, but he feels more comfortable. He's doing more off the play. You know what I mean? He's not, he seems like he's made a decision to kind of expand his own role of, even though we might've all had expectations for him to be a more complete player. Um, but I do think the biggest thing with pasta is he, he's awesome. Like he should have a reality TV show. Let's just mic him up all the time. He's just, I say this to Mark all the time, right? He's just a kid that didn't grow up with money that, you know, his yeah. dad had, like, he's someone who loves hockey. And even if they didn't give him $6 million a year to show up, like right now he'd be like, okay, my next contract, I'll take 2 million. If that means that Taylor Hall can stay, what's up guys? Like that's him. Like he's just, he's so yeah. grateful for what he has and he plays that way. But I'm glad that you don't see him. You haven't seen him disappear, even though maybe, He's been shooting and it's not working out for him. And yeah. I mean, God, I mean, it, no one goes over the crossbar quite the way that oh. David Pasternak does. Oh. But um, well, that's yeah, one of the things, things I wanted to touch on. Yeah. One of the things yeah. I wanted to touch on was the shooting. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and I think that the the hip might be hindering him a little bit. Um, you said that one, on my was, live stream. Yeah, yeah. His, his hip just looks like his in the rotation of that one timer and so on, and. And he shoots like a ball hockey player, and it's been well documented that um, that he he wants to like shoot a mylek, which is basically off of the freaking toe or the or the um, the uh, the tip. Yeah. So yeah, same thing. Uh, Austin Matthews do they do that new like snapshot where they curl it back and they whip it at the net? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean. Hopefully it's okay. Hip injuries are tough because I always use Wayne Simmons as an example, but I know that Wayne Simmons wasn't a one-time setup guy um, like like Pasternak's role. Um, the the thing with uh, Pasternak is he's more like that Ovechkin type. Like I'm in my office, this is where I'm shooting. Good luck stopping it. But what we're seeing right now, I just think that it's going to take a little bit longer for Pasternak to freaking heal because even though he might be playing at 80 to 90%, which is allowable, that heel is probably still not fully healed. Yeah, and so he I, I just looked it up real quick. He did so since the trade deadline and basically since the top six was formed, <clears throat> he had four goals. And 12 assists to end the season. So 16 points, not terrible by any means, but none of them were a power play. None of his four goals were a power play goal. And that's, it, it, in my eyes, a little bit concerning because he's your goal scorer, especially on the power play. And he's your threat. And I think he, if I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it quickly. He only had two power play points since the trade deadline. And that's a little bit concerning. Obviously, the Bruins power play hasn't been the best um, this season, and especially the well, first PP. Yeah, yeah, and it, obviously they haven't really changed much up. If you saw the practice lines, and that's a little bit frustrating. I would like to see maybe McAvoy get a few more chances on the first power play, what or maybe get Richie off there. Hey, Boosie, what do you think of uh, them adding Krejci and Hall and them scoring within like four seconds? Wait, say that again. 
You know how they added Krejci and Hall to the power play last uh, pass not got oh, hurt. La- he took yeah he took the butt end and he had to go off the ice so they threw Hall on and they oh, scored yeah, right yeah. off the oh, it's right. like yeah. on the it's goal like, line right yeah, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. Bruce Cassidy being the guy that juggles lines like I-, I thought he would see that and be like oh maybe we should throw Hall down bottom <laughs> bumper so he can feed Berger on the puck yeah and free up Marshawn a little bit <laughs> no because then you have two legit goal scores on each side and yeah. Stack it up for the power play, honestly. Or sorry for the playoffs. Stack up the first PP unit. I don't. I I want to see them all on it. I mean, this is why you brought Hall in, right? I mean, he's a guy who he has playmaking ability, but obviously he can shoot. I mean, I think I think one of his skate, his back skate was like on the goal line when he where from where he shot that puck, and I don't know if it necessarily meant to go to him or not. I don't care, but the fact that he was able to. It, the puck found him somehow, and the fact that he was able to capitalize on that—that that was awesome. And I mean, I get it. Mar- Marshy's obviously impressed. Marshy's Marshy, and you love him on the first power play unit. But I wouldn't mind seeing Marshy a little bit, maybe not necessarily on the point, but play a little bit higher up, and have Hall and Postnock basically ready for the one T on each side because. Hall Hall's Hall has an impressive shot and he maybe he has a little bit more torque on that shot and um and, and Marshy I think Marshy's bet more capable of making plays happen than Hall is even though Hall is quite the playmaker himself but Marshy's Marshy and uh yeah. I would love to see that leave Bergeron on the bumper and maybe have McAvoy and McAvoy and Marshy on um Yeah that's what I was gonna say. Up top, yeah, yeah, up yeah. top. Because yeah. I, I love Grizzly, but I don't think he's power play material. Not, if, yeah. if McAvoy is going to be your number one guy, and eventually you're going to pay him like that, then you got to give him power play minutes and see what he's capable of doing. If and you know, I, I think he's capable of doing more and just as much as Grizzly, if anything. And and McAvoy's puck control is unbelievable. That guy can swap pucks out of the air like no problem. So when they're flipping them out over the line, that's one thing that the second unit does very well. They keep the puck in the zone, and that's something that the first unit – I don't know if it's Grizzly gets a little too fancy sometimes, but I noticed the puck flips over his stick a lot and then flutters out into the blue line. That's a big like 20 seconds regrouping going back out there to get back in and then you know guys are heads to the ceiling you get the whole like look back skate back skate back up it kind of loses momentum right yeah i agree Um, i was gonna say the power play just while we're talking about that is one area of concern i really have and at first i thought it was because we used to have such a great power play you know it was really strong we knew we could depend on it and it hasn't been so this year. And maybe if there were 82 games, it would even itself out or whatever, but it hasn't. I am concerned about getting stuck in how we want to play these two units. Like, so, like I'm I'm a little old school in that I would prefer, actually, if you had McAvoy and Grizzlick because they play well together in the first place for five-on-five five scoring. And also, I think they have the perfect combination where they're both especially, you know, McAvoy, this is really his coming out party, right? This is his sweet 16 or whatever. He's coming out and showing as he grows into a man. But sometimes I, I, I get frustrated when Bruce seems to mix up things that you're not sure of. And I understand again, he's Bruce Cassidy and I'm just Heather, you know, I don't really know crap except for I watch hockey, but sometimes I wish like 
You get stuck on things like I wish you'd change up. Like, all right. So if four forwards isn't working, no matter who you have out there, whether it's Pat, you know, the first line in Krejci or whatever, or Nick Ritchie plus usually Grizzlick or, you know, obviously McAvoy will play on one of those ones. But sometimes just like, okay, well, if it's not working, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And sometimes though, when it's broke, like, okay, this isn't working, no matter how much you really want that it to work out. Take pasta off if you need to or whatever. Um, I just, that's one thing that I get concerned about because we're going to need to because the Capitals are going to capitalize on their power play, pardon the pun, but we need to be able to do that because we've had a complete role reversal of how our special teams have played this year and we need to be evened out on that, especially now that we have two solid lines. If we can conscientiously not take stupid penalties, like they're going to eat the whistles anyways because it's the playoffs but if we don't take stupid penalties we'll be all right on that but just mix it up sometimes cassie you mix it up on shit that i want you to not sometimes and then when it comes to like a power play when you that's how you're going to beat washington it's going to be who's the best all-around team and we have all the makings to be the better all-around team and i just hope bruce doesn't get sometimes he makes panicky moves i think just because he is trying to make something happen he is so smart and he can see it but he doesn't necessarily Choose how to execute even what he's thinking in his own head. Not to not to swipe you, Bruce Cassidy. I'm all in on you. Can be the Capitals. You know the lineup. You know the. I was wrong about Nick Ritchie. You weren't. There you go. Sorry, I apologize, sir. <laughs> right. One uh, one stat that I did see today is every single five on three that Washington had against us this year, they scored on. So Oof. that's one thing. Like I, I know it's not something you practice and practice a lot five on threes because. It's not a whole lot of times you're getting penalties when you already have a penalty. They might be doing it this series. Exactly. So <laughs> no five on threes, please. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we are approaching an hour, so um, we're probably just going to end it right here. I want to thank uh, Brett Howard for stopping in. He is from the Beehive Podcast. Oh, one more please. thing. Sorry. Okay. Before we end. Um, I can't believe we haven't really mentioned him yet. Chara. Uh, oh, oh shit! That's right. right. I Just thought we were before. gonna do without this. We got nine well, minutes. <laughs> I I want to. Kidding. What I want to see, like I'm not I'm not looking at it as Charles the Bruins cap, former Bruins captain, whatever. I'm not looking at it as like that. One thing I did want to note heading into this because Chara does play a good amount of PK minutes is I I want Chara to get abused in the corners. Um, I want them to take advantage of Chara in the corners because you've seen it. Like we saw it last year in the last few years, he has slowed down in the second half of the season playoffs and stuff like that. And it sucks to see um, it won't suck to see this playoff series, but I do want to see the Bruins take advantage of that. And that's when the home ice kind of comes in effect because you can get the last line change. And I want to see Cassidy take advantage of that. And if you see Bert, <clears throat> if you see Char out there, I want to see him put one of those top six out there and have Hall or yeah, have any of those wingers just in the corner, just abuse the shit out of him. A guy who's like physical and fast like Hall is, I, I want to see that because, you know, Chara knows the other tendencies of Poster and Marshy, but Smith and Hall, he doesn't really know his their tendencies yeah. too well. But I do want to see players like that take oh, advantage boy. of Chara. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Neely was joking about with the Boston reporter and his presser about the the code words that they have and that Char is going to know the code words, yeah. but they also know Char's tendencies, just like Boosie said, right? Like they need a guy like Smith to go in there, grab his lunch pail and just go to work and get the puck every single time. Cause we, we've seen him exploited in the past by fast, small guys. We just have to do that ourselves. And I think that second line is going to really capitalize, especially with Krejci playing with Char for so long, them being country brothermans. I'm, I'm hoping he can give some insights to Hall and uh, Smitty. All right. Yeah. Um, I always, I, I keep saying the same thing. Everybody is okay. Char is okay. We're okay. Like I, again, I love Zdeno and I'm not, you know, whatever. I, but everyone's going to be okay. Char is either going to be fucking playoff, like badass, big dad Char, or he's going to be a hot mess. I hope we expose it if he is. If Frederick gets in there, I wouldn't talk off too much to dad because he might, you know, hurt you. Yeah, the big uh, old backhand. We're, everyone's all right on that end. But yeah, that, I mean, I, I guess it's better to have him over there than that. Can I just say, um, just because it's weird to me to not doing upcoming games, just to remind anybody who wants to mark the calendars, Tomorrow night and Monday, we're in Washington. Then we have a weird Wednesday, Friday, 6.30 start when we come back to the Garden. I would assume that maybe they're giving away year-end awards and they're airing it on, you know, they have to have time for broadcast reasons to, like, fill in the blank with that kind of shit. But um, I just had to say that before we left. But do you mind if, real quick, Mark, before you do Patreon, I didn't know how you guys... I thought it was really awesome that the Howe family asked Patrick Marlowe. They switched out the so cool. Um, and I just wanted to ask you guys, I know I waited till the end for my NHL stuff. Um, so the Howe family requested that Patrick Marlowe get Gordie Howe stick and that Marlowe's goes into the Hall of Fame. And I just didn't know as, I, again, his story, you know, whatever, just hockey people. I thought that was really fucking classy. And I just didn't know how you guys felt about that. Well, as, as a Canadian, that was awesome. They're both Saskatoon boys. They grew up like 300 miles apart from each other, which is so bizarre. They're both farm <laughs> animals. And uh, I, I don't know. I was, I was talking to my roommate, my co-host, Alex, yet last night, actually, about the same thing. I saw the pictures online. And, it, you know, I'm not going to lie. It almost brought me to tears a little. Like, we watched history. It's it's. I wasn't the biggest Marlowe fan my whole life. I'm not a big San Jose guy for obvious reasons. But uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it was awesome to see that gesture by the Howe family and just to know like Marlowe's continued that on and his stick's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Like when I go to Toronto next, I'm going to go look at it and take a picture just because I watched history. So hmm. it's cool enough for me. What about you, Boosie? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Literally, as Heather brought that up, gave me legit instant chills um, <laughs> just to see a – something like that man it, it's so cool especially <clears throat> um we weren't sure what his future held because covid and all that and if he would ever pass that milestone and stuff like that and obviously he's been on the back nine for quite a bit now and uh it's it's unfortunate that he won't be in the playoffs this year nor did he he never got a standing cup right no yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, it's fortunate this year that he didn't get a Stanley Cup or will yeah. have a chance. But he's, I mean, he's a hell of a player. He had a hell of a career. Um, who knows if we see? It, it sounds like we may have seen the last of him, but hopefully not. But it it was an awesome gesture. It was. I. 
I mean, it, it still gives me chills just thinking of it. But in the past year, year and a half that we've had to deal with with all this bullshit going on, it's it's awesome to see a gesture like that and just make everyone in the hockey community happy to see, especially since the Howe family um, suggested it. Yeah. Speaking of hockey family, we're gonna te- I'm gonna tease up a little something for next week. Um, the you know how Jerome McGinley got inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and um, and uh, who we just talk about, Marlo. Uh, Marlo. Marlo. <laughs> Marlo is probably going to be a Hall of Famer, and uh, yeah. these these gentlemen don't have a Stanley Cup, and that's pretty much their precedence of getting into the Hall. Well, former couple Boston gold Bruins, medals. yeah, former <laughs> Boston Bruins member uh, Herb Kane won two Stanley Cups, and he won uh, two scoring titles for the Boston Bruins, and uh, is still yet to get his call in the Hall. So we're going to talk about that next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. So um, we're going to find that to be a weird standard if you want a cup or not because it's the it, it's supposed to be like the international hockey hall of fame so like if you yeah. win everything but the cup there can be an exception i think no, to, no, but it's, it's, it's very weird the criteria that they're looking at and i i break down a little bit of science that's going on here you know so we'll, we'll talk about it next week but mm-hmm. i do have to end this program um because it's coming up on two hours but i uh, before we uh, say goodbye to these guys, I want to uh, say that we do have a Patreon account going on. So please check it out. Um, go to the details right here and uh, sign up. So we do like a Patreon that's $1 per episode. You get involved in a weekly giveaway. So I give away, a, we give away a Bruins related item every week and a hand signed jersey once a month. And the hand-signed jersey this month, like I said previously, is Derek Sanderson. Great quality jersey. Unbelievable. Sent right to you for just a dollar. And this week's winner is Ellen Sheehan. And uh, thank you, Ellen, very much for your contributions every week. We truly appreciate this. She is a Boston Bruins fan that uh, moved down to Florida and still keeps in touch with everything. So we appreciate her contribution and friendship and obviously being a, a Bruins fan. And uh, good luck and good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Hello, everyone. Congratulations, Hello. anyway. But um, yeah, I want to get rid of this. But uh, anyway, uh, to close, I want to say thank you very much to Brett Howard. He is at the Beehive Pod, a brand new Boston Bruins-related podcast on the blackandgoldhockey.com podcast network. Also, I want to say goodbye to Downtown Boos. Thanks, yes, for show- Thanks for showing up, sir. I appreciate it. And he is from the Dump and Change Hockey Podcast, which is also on the blackandgoldhockey.com podcast network. And my favorite Heather Angerson, thank you so much for stopping in on a, a rare Friday night. A little bit, thank a little you, chance. boys, for joining us. It's been fun. It's I, I love talking to Mark, but it's nice to kind of sit back and watch other people talk about hockey. She too, thinks I'm dull. Yeah. I'll be better she next time because Twitter I'm not says used I don't have a personality. Hey, I was, I was I gonna say, dull. I, was I agree. Gonna say thank, thank you to get to you guys for putting this together. Honestly, uh, me and Mark talked about a roundtable just just briefly uh, a month or so back, but. These are fun. I hope we can do more of these during the oh, playoffs. Oh, definitely. We're going to do more, dude. Yeah. Uh, especially during the off-season. Crossovers. Yeah, and, and we're, Heather and I are talking about a game show that we're going to do for oh, off-season content. So somebody will come on, we'll ask them questions, and we'll probably do like some kind of bracket that will last from the when the Bruins are either Stanley Cup champions mm-hmm, and then forward, or they get out in the first round and then forward. Shut we'll up. We'll have... 
We'll have a bracket <laughs> challenge for every week, and we'll award a winner, which will probably win a hand signed Boston Bruins jersey. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. They really are so, awesome. The person who yeah. won the jersey oh, yeah. for that the donation that you did for our fight the youth for Amesbury Triton Youth Hockey. Loved it. They were just like, oh my God, it's like a real thing. And they have the signing and that's real. Yeah. And it's awesome. So go there and definitely sign up for our Patreon for your chance to win it. Yes, absolutely. It's a small investment, just a dollar per episode, four to $6 a month gets you a lot of nice shit. So uh, for me, Heather, Brett, and my boy, downtown Boosie, we are going to say goodbye uh, Boston Bruins hockey playoff hockey tomorrow against the Washington Capitals. They play again Monday. So we'll see what happens after my shot. I'm kind of <laughs> leaning towards we're not going to do a freaking episode on Sunday. But wait, if I wait. feel good, if I feel good, we might do a post game uh, uh, evaluation just to talk a little bit on Sunday, half hour, hour, whatever. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, I got to end this. I got to stop talking. So we got uh, shots to get in the morning. Yeah, we got shots. Yeah. We got shots. Yeah. No All right, mass, everybody, thank no you. Mass. Thank you so much to everybody on the panel tonight. And uh, be safe, stay cool, and peace out. See you guys. See you. Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.